Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. Uh, my name is Dan and uh, with me as always to discuss all things women's cycling is my good friend Sarah. Hi Sarah. Hello. Oh God, Worlds. Do you still have a Worlds hangover, Dan? I don't mean a real alcoholic hangover, but just a whole week of amazing cycling races all the time. I'm I'm definitely definitely in a uh, post worlds. I, I think sleep recovery is probably a priority for me. Um, you know, not necessarily the same challenge you have, but staying up till one or two in the morning several nights in a row does uh, does wear old men like myself down. But wasn't it wonderful? I mean, I think this time last year there was so many things we were ranting about coverage. Um, we didn't get to see, you know, the, the, I mean, and I'm talking here not about Australia because we'll come on to why Dan has issues with Australia, okay? But in most places, um, maybe not America either. Sorry, America. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh. I've got Ouch. to a great start already, yeah, haven't I? Yeah. No, okay, right, okay. What I saw, um, and what I think a lot of people in Europe saw, was we had all of the races, I think bar the junior men's race, streamed live on the UCI channel. And in the past, we've had problems in the UK because, you know, when they don't, you know, you know this age-old thing that a company buys up all the coverage and then um, only shows half of it, and then only shows half of it. Yeah, well, only, only picks and chooses of other... which events they will actually show, yeah. Yeah, but in the UK and in a load of other countries, they've not done that this time. So if the, if BBC wasn't showing, for example, the team time trial, they unrestricted the UCI feed for us. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we didn't get that lucky when it came to the team time trial. Uh, fortunately, there are ways to work around that and, for example, pretend that you're from Germany. Um <laughs> Do you think there was a big spike in Germany's and Iceland? I was in Iceland. For all, I, of... all I can say is that there were a lot of Germans in this household. Um, <laughs> the Germans, the Sydney German population has rocketed. Mm. I, it was so, it's so interesting. And where we caught up with you last, dear listener, was we'd had the team time trial and the ITT. And then we have, so so what we're going to talk about today is the women's junior race, the women's elite race. We're going to touch on some coverage. I've given Dan five minutes for getting explosively angry, so we'll hear, hear how that goes. We've got some BMX. We've got why we've got the most perfect champion in the world, but that loads of other people could have been the most perfect champion, perfect champion in the world. We've got some transfers and we want to thank you. So that's not much to talk about in an hour, is it, Daniel? No, it should be fine. We're halfway through already. Can, can, are we are we up to the bit where I get to rant yet? Are we up to the bit where I get to rant? No, 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 no. And and, and I'll tell you, dear listener, so that you can fast forward if you don't want to hear that. <gasps> no, 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 no. It's going to be a great rant. It's going to be so very, very such good, good swearing. There's going to be such. Okay. So Friday was the junior race. Now, I found this fascinating really really interesting and it was particularly interesting because last year Amelie Diederichsen won it and she won it by getting into an early break that people didn't chase down and then people dropped off that break and it ended up in a group of three and she won it because she wasn't the strongest rider especially not in the climbs but she was the cleverest which you know is is part of what you love about cycling um, mm. it, it's not and, it's not all raw power all the time 
Yeah, and so Dida Rickerson, she's the young Dane, and she's gone out this year, and she won the um, Trofeo da Moreno, which is, I love this race. It's basically, um, we have the Trofeo Alfredo Bindo, which is one of the, the second World Cup in Italy, and it has this amazing circuit at the end. Um, and the and before the elite women go out to fight, to rip each other's legs off over it, the junior women had the chance to race just the circuit too. You know, you're literally on the same road and, and, and in the same day as the elite women. You know, you're all those people. And then you get to watch them and cheer for them. Mm. And you might have, watched the, you know, you might have watched the coverage of Trofeo Binder and thought, I'd attack there. This is your chance to do it. How cool is that? And Amelie Diedrichsen won that. So at that point of the year, she was like this cast iron, nailed on favourite for the race. But she crashed and she broke her collarbone and she's only had a couple of weeks back on the bike after breaking her collarbone. So we didn't know whether she was going to be well enough. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then we have this amazing issue. So amongst the Euros, we have a couple of junior races. So we have the junior energy walk to a stage race and the, and the Omelette van Borsele stage race where the Euro juniors get to race each other, you know, get, get to race against each other. And that's fab. But we don't get to see the riders from the USA or Mexico or, or Australia or South Africa coming against them. And that's, this is like, the, you know, you, you might have seen them on the track, um, spoiler, Australia wins everything. <laughs> but this is, it's so, 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 so fascinating to see, you know, to kind of see them come together. And, you know, it's just, and especially for the young Aussies and the young, and, and anyone who's not European, all of those young riders, yeah. they probably haven't had the chance to race on European roads. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they relish, they absolutely relish the opportunity because, um, you know, one of, one of the things of being on this side of the world is that, you know, by the time you're you're of this age, you pretty much know everyone who is around in in the in the broader Australian scene, and you know broadly what they're capable of, and you know mm-hmm. where you kind of rank. What you don't know is where you fit in in the rest of the world, and um, and so opportunities like this just mean so much because you get to experience a different kind of racing, a different environment. Um, but also you get to actually broaden your your horizon in terms of, of where you're benchmarking yourself. So, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fascinating. And and what's really exciting is that the Trofeo da Moreno next year is going to be the only, junior, only UCI-ranked race for juniors. But that means that maybe we'll start to see, um, you know, countries like Australia and the USA, um, which have money, you know, the moneyed countries, sending junior girls over, junior women to ride them. I mean, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? That they'd have, that we might actually start getting a junior scene. And yeah, it's very, very, very exciting. So going up against Diedrichsen, she's got this, so she's amazingly strong. She starts as the favourite, except for the fact that she crashed. And she's only got one teammate, Pernille Matheson. And she's going up against quite a lot of Australians. And Macy Stewart, who won the time trial and won, well, everything on the track, is just like this phenom. But you also have the Italians, because the Italians are just incredibly strong. Um, BCTV shows every, pretty much every week, there's an Italian junior race and an under 23 race for women that's, that's, that's got bit, you know, basic video coverage, you know, yeah. of, of the finishing and stuff. And, um, 
you've got the European junior champion, Sofia Bertizolo. Everyone in the European team, bar Bertiz, bar Salah Wackerman, were our first year juniors as well, which is super, super exciting. And then you've got riders like um, Jean Coravar and Afka Sut who are there if it comes to sprint tea. So it's kind of this, it's this very, very interesting setup. Anyway. And we've got all the videos on our website, prowomenscycling.com. And there's some great videos and especially some great conversations with young mm. with these young women afterwards. But it kind of ends up with um, Sarah Wackerman definitely deserves the title of Domestique of the Year for Italians. But they're racing, they're racing, it's hard, it's tough. And it comes down to the final lap, they're all together. Well, apart from everyone who's been kind of kicked off the back because, oh my God, it's attritional. And um, it's and and you end up with Bertazola and Diedrichsen going out together and attacking on the final climb and descent, getting caught, bump sprint. Diedrichsen wins, Sofia Bertazolo second, and Agnieszka Skalniak of Poland third. And it's you know fabulous, really super exciting race. There's so much to be excited about for the future. And um, I love Mikel Conde's tweets where he said the French riders uh, Greta Richard and Jean Corovar who were 6th and 7th were mm -hmm. crying tears of disappointment while the Polish rider team were crying tears of happiness and that's what uh, cycling is well you know Sarah being English does love to hear of the French crying tears of disappointment no! so <laughs> <laughs> That's that's not what you meant. That's not what you meant. Okay. <laughs> so yes, there's so much. So some really interesting talent up there. Lisa Klein, who's a trackie, was in fifth. Um, just um, for you, um, Dan, your top Australian finisher was Alexandra Manley, who um, from Aussie, who was eleventh. Um, for British riders, let's look down the list. I know who it is. I just can't remember where she ended up. For British riders, it's Mel Lowther. Good Mel Lowther. What a great girl. Thirty seventh. Um, you might remember Mel Lowther from coming seventh in the team in the ITT, despite having some hideous wardrobe malfunction where her skin suit exploded just before the race started. So yay, yay, Mel. Um, USA's amongst us. Your top finisher was Janelle Cole in seventeenth. And yeah, it's it's yeah and. Um, yeah and it's it was just interesting it's interesting it wasn't a dutch friendly course but jean coravar came seventh and oh my god there's so much talent so, so much dutch uh, yeah but yeah. but the most amazing so amelie diedrichsen she's only become the third woman to win the junior world championships two years in a row both years of juniors yeah yeah and that's and the other two were Nicole Cook, and you know what she went on to do, and uh, young Lucy Garner, who's who's the one who's the who's the world champ just before Diedrichsen. So, yeah, it's 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 yeah, it, I'm I can just imagine that Diedrichsen people have been knocking on her door, going, "Hello, we you like a contract?" But then to be honest, they weren't doing that from I don't know halfway through last year. They were stupid anyway. <laughs> Well, uh, perhaps perhaps we should um, avoid commenting on the suspected intelligence of various people, or at least I should this week. Uh, so. <laughs> we, I've given. Remember, you've got five minutes of anger, Dan. Later, I, so. I, do I sound angry yet? I'm, I'm bottling my rage up like a good Australian man should, and um, <laughs> saving it for later. So, um, so uh, yeah, I'm in the car park after the pub. Yeah. Oh, um, you me outside now? Yes. <laughs> we actually we literally used to have a tv show um that had a segment called you me car park now 
Oh, God. Yeah. Yes. I feel sorry for some of my friends who are landing in Australia uh, in a couple of months' time. I, <laughs> I, 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 I hope you oh, make did, up did you see the video I, I posted earlier today of um, the shark fight? <laughs> no. <laughs> Two great white sharks fighting each other. It was awesome. <laughs> I love Australia. <laughs> the best thing is they were in a car park, so. <laughs> um, yeah, so women's race, the women's race. Um, yeah, on on Saturday. And this was really interesting. Mariana Voss, obviously, multiple champion, never come less than second, but but had not finished her last two races and um, also was, uh, you know, she crashed in the team time trial and lost Annemiek van Vleuten, who apparently has a head injury after that TTT yeah. crash too. And Talita, and, um, Talita de Jong and Anna van der Breggen, super hard. And also problems for the USA team. Carmen Small um, had crashed on yeah. Saturday, on the Saturday before in training and was out and Megan Garnier was, was still injured. So it's kind of like quite an interesting thing going in, like probably one of the most open worlds. And by this time, we'd seen three races on the course. Mm-hmm. And in all three races on the course, it kind of came down to the last lap. And it you know, came down to basically that descent and there. To, to be honest, looking at the course is basically what I would, I would generally refer to as pretty fucking predictable. Oh, you see, but I don't understand. I don't understand because when I was asking people what this race, which 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 race is this course most like, and they said Plue, because that last climb, that highway climb, was the same as very similar to Plue's climb, where it's a long, grindy drag. It's a long drag climb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So and, and Plue basically is attritional ends up in groups, and they said it's basically between Plue and Vagorda. But it didn't turn out like either. Yeah, or... but, but I think the other thing is, and and I think you know, it, it, it. Well, I see two key things. So obviously, you know, being worlds, you've got different team sizes, so that plays a factor in. Two, as we spoke about last week, for the last like I don't know three five years, there's sort of been this this predictable pattern, and we'll get into this in more detail in a moment, but but that didn't happen, you know, like I, I was I was tweeting in the start, I don't understand, this seems to be the longest that the US has ever raced a world's road race without being on the front. Yes. Um, and and I mean, things like that, so, so there were obviously lots of teams that were actually doing things differently to what they used to do, but then also, the, to me, the other thing, and I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but that crash, I think, played a huge part in, in how the rest of the race went. <laughs> This is, I mean, when, so basically we started off the first races, there were just horrific crashes on this bottom corner, bottom descent. And by the time we got round to the women's, they'd got a red, that, that on Saturday, they'd got a red cross tent set up at the bottom of the, of the, at the bottom of the, of the, of the, of the um, climb. Which always, the always descent. inspires uh, confidence, doesn't it? When you, when you're bombing a descent coming down at like 400k an hour and you see that they've actually just got um, hay barrels stacked up. And, and a shoot straight into a hospital bed for you if you miss the corner. Um, you know, always, I, always I makes I, you feel good. I, I mean, I think, I think, and we're going to talk about this later. And and I guess what I'm, I'm sound, I think I'm sounding a bit defensive because, and I am, I guess, because there was a lot of criticism. Oh, it's a boring race. Oh, it's a boring race. And we'll get onto that later. And Dan has his angry moment. But well, no, no. To be fair, my angry moment's not actually about whether or not the race was boring. Um, so, so yeah. feel free and to. I, and I, I, yeah, so there's been a lot of criticism that the race was boring, but it wasn't. 
I mean, well, I, I think I think there's an important distinction to be made between boring and not the super exciting attack fest that some people may have been hoping for. Yes, you know, no, no. and and I think that's actually quite important. You know, I think there's a, a a linguistic disconnect where people have decided it must be one extreme or the other. Yes, um, and yes. and then there are also, and this is starting to creep into. Uh, this doesn't count in my official time. I'm just just noting okay. um, that there are then some interesting and I think important points about why we expect the women's race to somehow magically be different to literally every other race and especially the men's race where you know fucking i mean even without even before the race started i knew like basically if you if you only want to see the action just wait till the last 60k like you you just know that that a men's world's race involves a break going out for about 15 minutes being reeled in by a roughly the 60k mark and then stuff happens you know that's just how it works so i don't understand why that's more exciting no, and I, I think I, so. Anyway, so I apologize. I, I do apologize if I'm sounding defensive because I don't. I, I do think this was. It was an interesting course and an interesting race. So we start out and we have. Um, um, and 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 I'm and I was genuinely bemused because in Worlds Forever, what you have is you have the American team bombing it on the front and they hit the front really really hard and it's because basically a lot of the American USA riders. Aren't, who ride on the domestic scene aren't that comfortable riding in in the European peloton, and that's not criticism of them. That's just fact. Um, and this year it was different, and I think that's partly because we had more. You know, they, we've had more riders riding over here more often. I think. You know, you think about Optum and UHC at the Friends Life Women's Tour, for example. You know, yep, and yep. and and it's and, and so I think there's so I think there's a different thing, and also their tactic was terrible, and I'd just be screaming at the screen like you know it's literally three laps. They're burning all the riders off. They're attacking on the hills. They're chasing down Italian and Dutch attacks, and it's just like oh please, what are you doing? What are you doing? So you know, so so it was, but it's weird because you kind of get used to that happening, and it didn't happen. Yeah, and and, and it didn't happen, but it was very cool because it 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 literally did change the dynamic of the race. I mean, I I don't think I would have ever really predicted that the germans would be the ones managing the race for for the first part you know that german team the more i looked at it in the week before the more that german team looked super strong i mean uh trixie warwick and uh lisa brunauer had yeah, been yeah. the ttt gold winning team and then lisa had won the itt but you looked at it and trixie is pretty much rider most likely to win most aggressive jersey at any given time very strong very clever um Claudia Lichtenberg, formerly known as Claudia Hauschner, is a former Giro winner. She's yeah, a very good yeah. winner. And then their domestiques, you know, you've got Romy Casper who's there. You're just like, oh, she's a good domestique. Mm. And obviously, and you're like, yeah, this is a really strong team. It, it so really, really off. is. And and exactly as you say, when you actually pause and think about it, it makes perfect sense. But as I, as I said, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I guess I have to admit I'd had that sort of, you know, even though they always say, you know, past performance is no indication of, of future performance. <laughs> I, I was all, you know, Dutch, Italians, um, US will yeah. do something crazy, you know, um, sort of sort of thinking and, and hadn't really expected that it would it would go this way. Um, no, so I- so I was interested right from the start because to me, what I was seeing was different to what I was expecting to see. And yes. that's always interesting. 
And, and, I, and I've been talking a lot about the Italians going out with their crazy attacking, and they didn't do it. Mm. This, they, weren't, they were much more conservative this time. However, that's also in the context of their crazy attacking years won them the world three years in a row. For the last two years, the Dutch have won. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, again, these tactics haven't worked for us. Let's do something different. Well, so, but, but uh, also, you have to assume that every team in DS worth their salt has paid attention to the the preceding races and how they've played out not necessarily to replicate them but to look at what is actually happening on the road when people are reacting to those conditions you know because a race is always going to be different to a training ride doesn't matter how many times you go around the course once you're in the race it's different so you know i i was just utterly fascinated right from the right from the get-go at how everyone seemed to be playing a different game and that you know, is, is super engaging because you, you're trying to work out what's going on. Yeah, and what's, I, what's one of the things I absolutely love was Tiffany Cromwell's written a race report about oh, this. Oh, God, and that's so Tiff, good. Yeah, and Tiff, we've, if you've been following us, Tiff's been writing race reports all year on cycling tips, and she's just got this she's just very interesting in the way that she sees races and her description of it so she's they're riding without radios and she's the road captain and she, and she's also the lead rider and she's a little bit anxious about this because you know there's... Yeah, normally you don't have both of those roles on the the same set of wheels and it's and it's quite and it's quite an unusual Australian team because it's not got some of those mainstays, Jesse McLean and Amanda Spratt, who we're you know who we used to who we used you know who we used to seeing there. So you've got like Lizzie Williams, who's been having an amazing year, USA with the USA and with the Aussie national team, the comeback kid. And you've got Rach Nalen, who's been pretty much out of cycling more or less for the last couple of you know for the last couple yeah. of years with stop bad luck and accidents and Carly Taylor and who else am I forgetting Lauren Rowney Lauren Rowney yeah Lauren's Lars is just a, a, a you know kind of ruler type sprinter type so it's kind of an unusual team that's not used to working together and some of the dynamics that they'll have had I mean missing Spratty is just a huge thing you know a Spratty yeah. and Jake they just but and also Sprat is so experienced so yeah but I was loving Tiff's race report about how she um about about how it was kind of the race was unfolding in a way that she wasn't expecting yeah and how yeah. you watch that and that's even so we start off with um israeli rider shani bloch has a great you know has a killer i'm putting down a mark for israeli cycling attack early on and then we have this absolutely phenomenal enormous crash that takes down pretty much the whole peloton just like Bikes and riders. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think it was roughly two thirds. You know, like it was, it was huge. It the, was enormous. Yeah. Oh, and so, you know, I, I don't like right. I don't like watching crashes. I'm, I'm, I'm squeamish. It reminds me of my partner's, you know, horrible crash, and it, mm. you know, it gives me bitters. But you know, you're literally bikes flying everywhere, riders flying everywhere. It took out all but one of the Canadians. It took out most of yeah. the Belgians. Yeah, everyone except Lex Albrecht for the Canadian team, who who was actually a late addition because she she'd only been added to the team because she challenged the decision. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have this enormous, massive crash, just like bike and 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 you know bikes everywhere, and people who avoid the crash, you know, get people banging into them afterwards. And so then, and so the peloton's off. And this is where I can't remember who said it. It was like, oh, it was Andrew Visser doing a commentary on Dutch TV saying basically Trixie Warwick had taken over Ina Yoko Teutenberg's mantle and was holding down the pack and basically refusing to let anyone ride until everyone had gotten back, got back on. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, and, exactly. And and I mean, I mean, as I'm sure will come as a great surprise to to everyone who who listens to us regularly. Uh, you and I were talking on Skype during the race, but you know, we literally both said at that point, you know, that the next lap is basically gone and to letting people get back on and teams trying to work out how how hurt they are, you know, um, how many how many riders are lost and and all that sort of stuff. And I think this is one of those interesting things, isn't it? Because the Germans were, as they had been most of the race, up at the front. So they mm. were kind of basically, I don't think any German went down, but you lost, but you had out of the back Voss, Bronzini, um, I think some of uh, Eddie Stevens maybe. You had you had some seriously major yeah. riders yeah. caught by that crash. Yep. And this is one of those weird things about cycling, isn't it? Technically to win the race, the solution there to do is to just bang it. Let's just bang it and all go together and work really hard together and make sure that Voss and Bronzini don't get back. Yeah, yeah. Except and that Lizzie Armstead and yeah, yeah, I mean, let, and that and that's what and that's what technically you should do, but cyclists don't do that. And yeah. it's one of the reasons I love cycling is because you know there's there's all this there's so many storylines within the same thing, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and in in any version of the sport, and and absolutely, as you say, it's one of the things I love because you'd much rather have a, a, a strong competitive uh, field, you know, than than just take advantage of what is a, a combination of basically of incredibly bad luck. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and even and even if, for example, you just you bummed it for a, for a lap, and your Vosses and your Bronzini's got back on. I don't know. I don't, just don't think people. That's not how you want to win. You don't want yeah. to win through other bad luck. You want to win through your own mm. well racing. And, and but I, I, I think also there's a, there's a there's another practical concern too. I think in a lot of ways it's actually also really important to just help settle the nerves of the bunch too. You know that oh that people aren't taking risks to get back on. That the the ones who didn't go down aren't freaking out that you know it, it's too tense and stuff and distracted because I actually think that that to to really hammer it would actually in some instances present a bigger danger. So, well, I can't I can't. So for the next two laps, it was pretty quiet. There was an attack from the from a Slovenian from a Slovenian rider Kern, and. And people were going, oh, it's really quiet, it's really quiet, why are they doing anything? And I'm like, holy shit, like literally you probably need to have, like they had things like Lucinda Brand's fork, front fork that she was riding on that was busted and she needed to, you know, she swapped her bike as they came through one of the ends of the laps, later laps. And you know, But I kind of think that you're, you know, you've got this thing where you have to check that all your arms yeah. and legs are well, exactly, and and also you might have riders coming back who can still ride, but they're not as strong as they were, you know. And look yeah. at look at some of the 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 photos from the race, you know, like Ali Powers got the, you know, she she's basically got injuries uh, that are that are similar to Johnny Hoogland's famous crash in the Tour de France, you know, shorts ripped, torn up, clearly hurting, but still riding, um, you know, that that changes what a team is able to do with riders. I mean, and as you say, that's one of the things that, that Tiff talks about really well is, you know, at first she only had Kat Garfoot and Rach Nayland back with her. Um, Lizzie Williams wound up crashing out um, and, and there are some amazing photos of her helmet. And, and oh, my God, did you see what she posted? Did you see what she tweeted? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Insane. She's like, help it save lives, kids. <laughs> and, um, and, and so on. And, and so, you know, she had to wait a while before she knew how many, how many on the team were back um, and then had to work out a, a slight variation to their plan because... Now, so, so, 
No, no, I'm not going to give it away. I'm just saying because no, the but don't you changed. love? Don't you love? Don't you love that she's sharing that with us, though? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, how... this is this is the key thing to me that makes these these cycling tips inside line things so good is that we all know the broader principle of yeah, okay, so the situation's changed. You're going to change your tactics, but it's awesome to then get that inside view of when and how it happened and what was changed and stuff. It's it's brilliant. I find it so fascinating. So we have a quiet couple of laps um, per the Slovenian. And I just want to say, I worlds. I spend half of worlds going, I can't tell which country is which, which flag has luminous green and blue and white in it. I don't understand. But the Ben Atkins method of, of rider identification go by their helmets and their bikes. So it is a little bit confusing when you've got the Italians out there and Tatiana Goderzo is on her bright luminous yellow Ali Cipollini bike and people can't identify her. You're going, yeah, that's there's, there's, um, she's got this bright, luminous yellow bike against dark blue kit. That's pretty obviously Tatiana. So three laps to go, um, three laps out of seven left. Kern's caught. And when we're in the third lap from the end, we start having attacks with um, Sabrina Stoltian attacking and the USA attacking. And as they go through the lap for the penultimate time, for the, 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 the start-finish line for the penultimate time, penultimate time, yes, no, <laughs> into the second lap from the into the penultimate lap, Ali Powers from the USA has gone. She's attacked and she's out solo. Yep. And she is, and that is just, oh my God. She's literally riding with her skin suit ripped up, attacking hard. And Ali Powers, this is this is this is the other thing, is in the same way as the Americans, for example, aren't used to what the US what what the what the European Peloton can do. The European Peloton aren't necessarily used to Alison Powers, but I'd like to think that they, you know, someone like Ali Powers, famous for no fear descending because she used to be a downhill skier, so you know. <laughs> so it's kind of her thing, yeah. Yeah, you know, this this you call this fast. Um and she's very, very, very good time trially attacker. She's yeah. very good at those kind of getting out there and just eating up the road absolutely and and you know and from that team point of view when you've got Shelley Olds there and and it does look like the rest of the group are, are going to hold it much tighter that's a great move oh you my know. god the USA's they had they had Shelley and they had Evie in yeah, there yeah um and I mean, and, they, I mean really... they had they had great options honestly uh, I mean uh, you know obviously the results are as they are but I thought the US rode a fantastic race I was actually really impressed by the way they played it on the road it was great yeah so we start out so we're into so in so in so this penultimate lap is just about little it's about attacks and you know Rach Nalen tries it a couple of times and mm. Ali Powers tries it sorry not Ali Powers and Rosella Ratto tries it and Trixie Warwick tries it and 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 this is what frustrates me about some of the coverage to be honest I'm, I'm sorry for sounding defensive but people, there were no attacks there were no attacks but oh my god I literally can't keep up with typing who's attacked <laughs> the thing is they didn't make it away and that's a different thing but you know when you've got Riders like Rato and 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 Trixie not being able to escape, not being able to go. The other thing is, is that some people have suggested that women should have, you know, been had more of an eye on being entertaining. That if you let Trixie Warwick, you know, Ellen Van Dyke attacking through the last lap, you know, as they go into the last lap, if you let Ellen or Trixie go, they've gone. Oh, also, I I call bullshit on anyone who says that anyway, because basically, in order to say that, you have to 
be implying that the racing itself, that, that a, a team and rider genuinely trying to win the race isn't entertaining enough and that you would rather watch a circus. That's what you're essentially saying. So if that is what you're saying, I invite you to kindly shut the fuck up and never talk to me about women's cycling again. Um, that doesn't count as part of the rant. That doesn't count. Okay, so we go into the last lap, and I'm like sitting again. I can't believe I've written all these down, but you know, you have a, you have a group of five going out that has Rosella Ratto and Chantal Black and Claudie Hauschler, but it doesn't have an American rider in it. Mm. So the USA, and this is where the USA were doing a lot of chasing. And then on the penultimate climb, you had Evelyn Stevens attack, followed by Voss and Lizzie Armstead and Ferran Prevost and Lisa Longongo Borghini. And that's cool. And then you have this weird section, like all the way through the whole last lap is nonstop attacks because you've got Ellen and Trixie and Rachel Nalen and Trixie again and Elisa Longo Borghini and Trixie again. Yeah. And it's just, it's just little pingy, scary attacks just burning people off. Well, and, and, and also, but also, as you say, like, None of these are riders that you can let go. Like there, there is no one of these riders that that can get be allowed to get away by somebody, you know. Yeah. And and that's part of what makes it so interesting too is that you know okay so the US chases this one then the the Dutch chase that one then you know someone a bit too big goes and so everyone else goes with them or or whatever like like there is nothing there that that cannot be you know that that can be allowed to to actually get away it's yeah. um it's stinging it's amazing and i will never ever get bored of watching trixie work attack she's just so fierce like just fearsome and fierce and dangerous and oh she's just beautiful to watch just there's stunning. a great I think one of my favourite photos from the thing is actually um, there's a really great photo um, of Rach Nayland in mid attack on that last lap, and by th by this point too, it's raining. We should add. Um, oh yeah. And and so you know, water pouring in the rain, and and she's just got you know maybe a three meter gap on the group. I don't you know like just launching into this attack, but her gritted teeth and just like fierce look on her face is just awesome i love that photo oh and rach and rach has had a shocking couple of years she was in a car accident earlier this year and it's kind of like but just like 2012 she came back for she came you know if you're going to come back for world if you're going to come back for one race come back for worlds mm -hmm. so we come to the final hill. Do you want to do the tricks, the Tiffany Cromwell um, thing? Do you want to describe oh, the final hill? Where are we? Let me, let me. Ooh. And at this point, all the other races, what we've, what we've seen from the course is that you've got riders who can get away on the final climb and on the final descent and kind of win it, well-ish, but they all keep getting caught back from this from a sprint. But yeah. this final climb and final descent, and this is, again, why I'm a little bit grumpy that our final descent <laughs> is, you know, is yeah, yeah. the descents anyway well let's, this is this is so, how this is how tiff describes it so there are numerous attacks up the climb but again nothing was sticking it was coming down to the final climb crunch time i had to give it everything i had i knew the vital attacks were about to come with the likes of voss armitstead and emma johansson just halfway up the climb johansson was the first to put in a decisive attack taking voss armitstead and elisa longo borghini with her as the rest of us scrambled to try and go with the move it was a strong four-rider move that crested over the top. I didn't have the legs to go with it, but I didn't give up. I fought hard with the others to the top, keeping hope that it might come back on the descent. I was with the Americans, Abby Stevens and Olds. Stevens chased hard on the descent for Olds, and Georgia Bronzini was also stop, with us. Stop, 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 st
I, I, okay, I stopped. We'll come back to Tiffany later. So there you've got, <laughs> you've got, you've got this massive, you've got this big attack on the hill. You've got four riders out. And then on the descent, you've got, I mean, obviously, Voss is one of the best riders in the world on descending, on descending but all those four are amazing. And, and Emma Johansson goes for a descent attack. And we've seen Voss already all throughout this lap chasing down attacks. Like, you know, she's been she's been very good at chasing Trixie and she's been very active. You know, she had, she she was leading she was leading on the killer descent on, on you know, uh, on, on one lap and really pushing it. But she, you know, when Voss can't get away on a descent, you know that this isn't the course for, you know, this isn't yeah. this isn't. Trofeo Binder course or or Ronda van Vlaanderen course or something like that. So you have them attack, and their four of them are out away together. And as they come shooting down into the town, Elisa Longo Borghini, she knows that she's the least good sprinter there, but she also knows that she's got her lead sprinter, Georgia Bronzini, behind her. But she goes for one last move. I think it's about two kilometers to go, maybe less, maybe, maybe less. And, and she's chased by Voss. And they're coming into town. And they have this weird thing where you can see the peloton thundering behind them. And Voss pretty much just sits up very slightly in that thing of you want to, you, you, you want, you know, no one else is starting their sprint. So Voss is like basically giving this strong signal of you want it, you take it. Yeah. And none of the other three do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's such an interesting moment. And then, oh, utterly, utterly fascinating. And it is, it's one of those classic situation we talk about this happening around Voss a lot you know and it and it can be both things she can be in the lead group or she can be in the chase group you know um with it with a teammate up the road and and have the same sort of thing but she's so good at playing that game too she her brinksmanship is just genius so, yeah, yeah. And, and and she's like but but none of them actually take it up mm. now and Tim Renaldon said, well, this is, you know, lots of people said this is because there were four of them left. If there are three of them left, it would have ended up completely differently, you know. But because there were four of them left, um, Tim Renaldon described it as basically it's basic game theory. For any of those to win, you've got to cooperate. But the person who cooperates most will end up fourth. Yeah. And it's just oh, fascinating, really, really interesting to me because none of them do it, and so they get caught by this. Mm. Group, so they get caught by this group of. Let me do some counting. Uh, it was um, eleven, I believe. Eleven, yeah. yeah. And this group of eleven has got top sprinters in it. It's got um, Elisa. It's got um, it's got it's got Shelley Old, and it's got Georgia Bronzini. But it's also got some incredible riders there. You've got Pauline Franprevo, who'd had an amazing race. You've got Ray Race. You've got a couple of Germans in there, Claudia Lichtenberg and Lisa Brunauer. And Lisa's got a very good long sprint, mm. if that makes any sense. You've got Tiffany, whose sprinting's just been better. You know, getting better and better. And now you've also got Willem Sermon, Lisa Longo Bugini. It's just amazing. Yeah, really, three yeah. Italians in there. Um, every you know three Italians, two um, two Germans, you know, three, two Germans, no three Germans. Three I Germans. think Warwick's there. Oh wow! Um, okay, yep. No, no, no. Warwick's 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 faded because I think Warwick did a ton, ton, ton of chasing. Um, so you've got you know you've got you've got um couple you've got one a British person in in Lizzie. You've got a load of single riders, but basically yep. a couple of USA, three Italians, two Germans. It's just really interesting mm. and it's a really messy sprint really messy sprint and it starts a bit too and it starts too early with Voss going shit we've caught right sprints and I don't think I've ever seen Voss fade like that in a sprint yeah no I I yeah um 
I, I can't, there's certainly nothing springs to memory. Um, yeah, and, and it comes down to a spirit, and it's looking like all sorts of different people are going to win it. It's changing, it's moving. And at the end, who wins? Pauline Fran-Prevot with Lisa Brunauer second, Emma Johansson in third place, and just brand, you know, sprint right to the line, photo finish, but with Pauline's wheel just that little bit further yeah. ahead. Just. And, and that photo is actually quite amazing because you look from first to fourth how close it is um, yeah. between them all. It's, but, it's, yeah. but it's also Pauline knowing that she's won it. Mm, mm. I mean, Pauline did the clever... I mean, Pauline's been right... And, and I just want to say, we haven't really talked about Pauline in the race, but... Audrey Cordon, her teammate, had done lots of attacking, and Pauline and Audrey had just ridden just beautifully, really, really beautifully. And um, in the press, so and what had happened behind was that the Germans and the USA team had had pulled back this break of four, and that's what you know. So so you know so so you got riders like Tiff Cromwell and and Pauline just helped by them. And in the press conference. They asked Pauline how she won. She said, well, it's pretty lucky that the Germans started working for me, wasn't it? (laughs) But the interesting thing is, again, so Pauline's first, Lisa's second, and Lisa had actually been boxed in. Yeah, yeah. Lisa was the fastest sprinter, and but she'd been boxed in. Well, and as you say, you know, it was a little bit of a... you know, and I don't mean this in a in a critical way, but a bit of a messy sprint. In that, uh, you know, it happened to a couple of riders. Um, they got they got partially boxed in for a moment, and as we all know, in a sprint, that that can be the difference. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and it's and it's partly because we don't have any. You know, you don't have any leadouts in this race. It's at the end of an incredibly attritional, hard race. So your riders like um, Olds and Bronzini, who have sprint craft, just don't have the it's you know it's not set up for them like it would like 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 a normal sprint would be yeah it's just yeah. just really interesting interesting race i mean i loved i loved it those four riders those four riders will just be kicking themselves up and down about damn it to hell i should have gone but i didn't and the big winner out of that group of course is anna johansson in third this is maybe her fourth fourth world's medal she's had at yeah. least one silver bronze before so she finishes in bronze and you know and and that's probably where she'd have ended up if she just sprinted if you know so it's kind of like and then it's interesting so here's the top 10 so Pauline Fran-Provo France first Lisa Brunauer second Emma Johansson third Georgia Bronzini fourth but only just photo finish fourth Tiff Cromwell fifth Oh my God! How much has her sprint improved? Oh, which is awesome. And also, I have to pay tribute too because one of the things that that I was so impressed with um, about Tiff's ride, um, and we've sort of sort of alluded to it, is is just that the role that she's playing, you know, protected rider and stuff. It, it's different to Tiff's natural way of racing in that she's in the past always been a, aggressive, attacky, get out there, you know. I mean, I, I've joked for literally years now about the long solo breakaway, um, and and stuff like that. So the the maturation in her development is is fantastic to see. You know that patience, that that tactical nous to to sit in, to trust her team, to do their jobs, um, and and then really go for it. I mean, I, I yeah, you know, top five, brilliant result. 
So sixth Shelley Earls, seventh Lizzie Armitstead, very, very disappointed is she was. Um, eighth Linda Willemson, ninth Anna Solovey. Can we just pretend she doesn't exist? And tenth Mariana Voss. And then in, in 11th, the last one in that sprint group, Katarzyna Nudoma of Poland. First year pro, just 19. Amazing, amazing rider. You know, very good ride from her. With um, Evie Stevens, Rossella Ratto and Lisa Longo-Borghini three seconds behind. And Claudia Lechtenberg six seconds behind. Yeah, amazing. amazing. And so Lizzie gets so Lizzie, poor thing. I really feel for Lizzie Armistead because she gets off the bike and she's absolutely gutted, completely gutted, and she's like, and she gets asked, you know, why didn't you win? Why didn't you win? And she says, oh well, and she and she kind of has this thing about it, it was a very negative race. It was very unattacky. It was very slow. Everyone else was rub, you know, basically slating all her opponents, and I'm like, oh. I, I just wish that when I wish that interviewers, I mean, I know it makes for better polemica, but I wish that when interviewers were dealing with riders who are fresh off the bike like that, they didn't just, I don't know, that they helped them come across the best that they could come across. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Lizzie's very, very hard on herself. And for Lizzie, nothing but winning will do. And and I'm just, it's just like, and it's really disappointing when you hear a rider basically get off the bike and slate the race. And, and that led to, there was quite a lot of tinfoil hattery in some of the British coverage of this race. Oh, really? Like as in, as in, you know, aliens brainwashed teams to ride for other countries sort of thing? Well, there were some suggestions that Mariana Voss had sat up at the end because she wanted Pauline Frampravo to win because they're trade teammates and that she led out Pauline Frampravo. And I'm like, what? No, like, no, that's got to be someone trying to, to be a troll, surely. No, no, this is um, this is Will Fotheringham, um, I think it was, in The Times saying saying that, yeah, it was what? trade teammates. You can't. There's no way. There is no way that anyone who has watched Mariana Voss race anything ever could suggest that she would sit up for anyone other than an actual teammate who was already in front of her. Yes, and also, even if... I, I can see Voss going, right, I'm not going to go to the end of you three because you three are wanting me to lead you out. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take my chance on the sprint. But looking behind her in the sprint, she's not going to think for the moment that, that Pauline can out-sprint Shelley Olds or, hmm. or, or Georgia Bronzini. Exactly. Like, that's, it's she's just, not... that's ludicrous. I know. Real tinfoil hattery. But just, I... Okay, I think maybe we just need to have... Okay, now we're going to have five minutes out for Dan to rant. And I'm going to set it up for him. And we're going to have five minutes out to rant. But don't worry, we're going to come on to some really positive stuff afterwards, okay? So... So we've had quite a lot of mad coverage of this and it started with people going, oh, it's such a boring race. And I didn't understand it because there were tons and tons of attacks and loads of things happened. And, you know, as it turns out, five races ended up in exactly the same, exactly in the same way. So, um, and there was a particularly egregious piece by Anthony Tan on SBS, which is the Australian cycling, cycling site on Cycling Central, where he basically said, as an advocate of women's cycling, he thought it was a shit race, very boring, and he was taking the girls to task for not being sassy and... Um, impetuous. Impetuous. And, you know, the, the girls should have ridden more sassily and saying that they were timid. And I, he used some word that I don't, I can't even remember what the word was, but he used a word about to describe Tiffany Cromwell that was just basically made up. In the certitude, they rode with incertitude. I did. So, having set this up for Dan, 
this and then there was various other pieces on SBS with Mike Tomolaris, the Australian the SBS commentator saying exactly the same thing, boring race, but the basic point was that women had more of a responsibility to ride entertainingly than the men do and that they didn't deserve well, to have yeah, TV on. So I'm now going to give you do you want to lead in or do you want five minutes straight starting now? Oh, whichever way. I mean, I'm going to claim a tiny bit of leeway because there's a couple of points I want to add to the setup, um, okay. which is that Tan, the, the the thing that was so egregious about Tan's article is that he concluded with um, women's cycling when it's like this is um, unworthy of televising um, and, and basically said it didn't deserve to be on TV if it wasn't more interesting I, in, I... In, his, in his view. Tom Alaris then um, the next day published a, a somewhat, um, oh, I would call it a, a callow defence, saying that he was just saying what everyone thinks um, and that, you know, the, the problem for women cycling is that if it can't be more entertaining, there's no viable business case for it. Um, so so that's, that's the, the points that I'd like to add to my backdrop. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go. Fucked a lot of you. Like, seriously. Um, so, okay, starting from the top, I couldn't give a shit if Anthony Tan finds the race interesting or not. I mean, at the end of the day, as the saying goes, boring people get bored, no one else does. If you can't find enough in a race to actually determine the evolution of tactics, what's happening on the road, and work out, you know, a way to be interested, turn it the fuck off or go the fuck away. But the last thing you should do is call yourself a fucking cycling journalist. Uh, because clearly you don't understand the sport at all, let alone well enough to communicate it to anyone else. But that's beside the point. The point is, and, and the thing that's really got me worked up, is that you then have the audacity to claim that you're a genuine advocate for the sport and, and to turn around and in the very next sentence say, but it doesn't deserve to be on TV. Fuck you sideways with a pineapple. Like, seriously. Um, worse than that, you're not getting the fact that you're contributing to a sexist culture uh, that already has so much stacked against it. You know, it's got nothing to do with, and, and this is a, a major problem for SBS as a whole. They have a problem with institutional sexism from things like two weeks ago where the women's team time trial was literally not even shown on their live stream. They put out a bullshit apologetic tweet afterwards going, oops, sorry, we took the wrong feed. Fuck you, I'm German for the purposes of viewing content from, from now on. Um, Tom Alara saying that he he's just saying what everyone thinks and then in his article saying that many people turned away vowing to never watch women's racing again. Well, fuck you, where's the evidence of this? I mean, I, I dispute that completely. Uh, but also the sheer arrogance of you to say that you're just saying what everyone thinks. I actually happen to know a lot of people who didn't think that at all. Um, and, and it's about claiming to be supporters of the sport and saying that you're champions of the sport and you just care about it and you just want it to be better. It's, it's, like, it's like an abusive relationship. Just stop hitting yourself. Just stop hitting yourself. I'm just trying to make you look better. I'm just trying to make it better for you. Stop hitting yourself. Bullshit. So for me, the problem is that at the end of the day, SBS to me have over the, a number of years, and this is really, really hard for me, but SBS essentially pioneered coverage of cycling in all its forms in Australia um, in, in terms of road cycling and, and 
um, televised coverage from the Tour de France into the Giro, the classics, men's, women's racing track, you know, and, and they have been a major contributor. I mean, my passion and relationship with cycling was born out of that. So it's really hard for me now, but I'm at a point where I literally cannot, with a clear conscience, support this organization at all anymore. I will personally never again tweet uh, anything or, or publish anything that promotes content on their site, uh, content on their TV channels, or, or anything to do with their coverage of cycling at all until I am convinced that there has been a serious cultural change in, in what they do because it's a clear to me that there is a lack of understanding of the, the issues, the political climate, and the, the nature of what it is to develop a sport. Um, it, it, it's sickening to me and I just can't stand by and, and support what I believe to be a completely disgraceful uh, endemic problem with sexism and, and it infects everything. You know, we, we had a report published here in Australia today uh, that, that highlighted the, some of the attitudes that women in Australia are having to deal with. Uh, 50% of those interviewed said that sexism has affected their career path. 37% say sexism has affected the subjects that they choose to study at school or university. 33% are saying it's more, uh, it would be easier to get their dream job if they were a man. You know, that's the climate that we're a part of. And every time that someone publishes a fucking opinion piece where they feel entitled to say that an entire sport doesn't deserve coverage because they personally were not entertained, they are contributing to that culture. And I cannot support that culture. I just can't. So I'm sorry, but, you know, again, to quote another saying, with friends like these, who needs enemies? So as far as I'm concerned, SBS Cycling Central, you and I are no longer friends. You did that in four minutes. Well, you know, I was I was feeling the time pressure. Yeah, uh, have a breath. Have a breath. Have a breath. Have a breath. <sighs> oh, I'm, I, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't want to get too, you know, thank you. I probably need that minute to calm down a little bit. I don't want to get too hung up on it. It doesn't deserve any more attention than that. But I'm furious. I, I'm genuinely furious. No, I, I, been... think, I mean, I think I think this, and my friend Savetta has a really good takedown of it too, that, you know, you're talking gender. She's saying, you know, A, a, it's very gendered. It's very gendered. So when the men, I mean, you know, literally, the best thing about the men's coverage, there was an hour where there was nonstop Rochelle Gilmore and Mariana Voss. I've put a link to this on our site, prowomenscycling.com, because you probably won't have been able to see it in a lot of countries, but I've put it in also how to watch it. Um, because they, they go through the race in really good detail, and Voss talks about her race, and, and, and it's just really just fascinating. And Voss is the most likable person in the world. And Dan, I have to tell you something. They asked her who her favourite cyclists were growing up. Yep. Who do you think? Me. Okay, no. apart from you, who do you think? Um, her brother. Voss said that she didn't have one or two heroes, that her, her parents took her to watch Tour de France every year and she always watched all the cycling. And she didn't, she loves cy watching cycling. She didn't have one or two heroes. She just oh, cheered no. for every she loves all. Oh my God, you're claiming that you're the Mariana Voss of cycling fandom, aren't you? She said she cheered. She didn't. She cheered for all the attacking riders. <laughs> oh my god! You can never mock me for cheering. For oh no, I can. Day. I can. And on a weekly basis, you will. You will experience me doing just that. You know, just but because just because Mariana Voss does it doesn't doesn't make it any less absurd. <laughs> 
and and to be honest, so much of what she does is utterly absurd. You know, winning winning multiple world championships across five, seven, twenty four different cycling disciplines in a week, and and so on. So much of yeah. what she does is absurd, Sarah. So. Now, this is one of the things I found slightly complicated about this race is people are already talking that because she came 10th in this world, her first world where she came less than second in her entire career, including juniors, people are talking about as if she's washed up and over the hill. Oh, Jesus. You just can't win, can you? You know, and this is this is the other thing that frustrates me is that if if this race had come down to a sprint and, and, and it had been a pure attack fest from start to finish and come down to a, a sprint with a select group and Voss had won, the same people would have lined up and said, boring race because Voss wins everything. You know, exactly. and, and, and it's such fucking bullshit. And I'm tired of it. And I'm tired of being nice. And I'm tired of being polite. And I, I'm, I'm just past the point where where people need to be be treated gently when they're just being fucking pricks. And, you know, it's time to call sexism sexism. And, and that's just my position. But, no, it is, it is sexism. And, and you know, Sibeta was pointing out the madly gendered language. I mean, it's not just asking girls to be sassy. Like, mm. you, and so our friend Yenza had this great, yeah. I wonder what the sassy boys at SBS are thinking right now. You know, like, it's not just about that language, but it's like everything from, so when the men, for example, are racing, they're conserving their energy. They're, they've yeah, got smaller it's, it's riding tempo everything. or controlling it's, it's, the it's, race. Or... It's tactic, it's, it's conserving their energy, it's being tactical, it's, it's having watched what happens on this course and it's being, you know, very careful and stuff. When women do it, they're timid and tentative and they've got incertitude you know like, yeah, like yeah. I can't... yeah we've actually literally got people making up new words to try and to try and discredit the way that they're racing and, and i know that i know that some and, and and it's like it's really hard to argue against that as gendered because you know when you've got literally two or three hours in the men's race where nothing nothing happened like i i did adore the fact that the pole a polish guy won because there was so much snarky comments about the poles literally being on the front of the peloton for two and a half three and a half hours mm. um, while they were just chasing down that group of nobodies out front um you know literally when you can just you know people are, oh they're just who they've been paid to work for la 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 and then one <laughs> i did enjoy that but you know it, it's it's a very interesting thing when five out of five races end the same way yeah and then one race gets singled out for allegedly not yeah. being interesting I mean, it's like flesh full on. I mean, it's the opposite of flesh full on, isn't it? Everyone knows how flesh full on's going. And one of the things Sibeta said was that, you know, we, we somehow take our collective knowledge of how a world champion race will end, which is, you know, which is basically, you know, the last couple, basically start watching the last couple of laps. Uh, even though women started before the last two laps, technically they started three laps ago. But, you know, we know that that's how these races go. But yeah. somehow when women do it, it's it's wrong and it's bad. And the other thing is, if if, if Tan is suggest if Tan and Tomalaris are suggesting that because of this one race, women's cycling shouldn't be televised, what does that mean about the Olympics and the world and the last two worlds and we're the last two Olympics and the women's tour, Friends Life Women's well, Tour, and and, and also and, and the, you know speaking specifically about about this particular point, that's one of my other issues too. Is as I said at the top of my my rant, you know the idea of a race being interesting or not is so subjective anyway. That cannot possibly be the basis on which you decide whether or not an entire sport is worthy of coverage. Because no. clearly to someone it's interesting. I mean, I know for a start that there's a hundred and something odd people in the fucking race who thought it was interesting. 
So, you know, <laughs> enough to be there. Calm. For, for three Sorry. really good takedowns of it, I recommend Bridie O'Donnell on her blog, bridie.com.au or .au.com. Yep. Um, Tina Renaldon, whose blog I've completely forgotten the name of, uh, and Tom Palmer on Cycling Central. Mega Bicicletta, is that how you say it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Tom Palmer on Cycling Central. We've linked to them in my – I've got a post full of mm. videos of the race and tons of interviews. There are so many good which interviews. Is, which is just, for, for point of clarity, the last uh, SBS link that I will ever provide is okay. the one to Tom's. You provide it. I provided it. So I just want to talk about Pauline Fran Prevost for a moment. Sure. Now, I know a lot of men who'd like to talk about Pauline's <laughs> at the moment. Well, um, I, I, hey, let's be fair. I'm sure there's plenty of ladies who would enjoy that conversation too. Um, you know. Pauline Frampreveau, Pauline, she is just... Now, it rarely happens, but, you know, you kind of in your dream of who wins the world championships. Having a rider who's had her absolute breakthrough year winning is, is just... It's the script... Pauline is pretty much the fairy tale winner of this race in, in, in terms of what it means for women's cycling. So um, if you don't know Pauline, she was a junior, she was two times junior mountain bike world champion, one time junior um, road race champion. Um, I think you know, came second in the, in junior ITT worlds. Um, she had a couple of, she's had a couple of years of being, um, she's 21, I think, or 22 now. And she's had a couple of years getting used to the grown up peloton. Um, you know, you go from junior gears, which juniors ride on limited gears, junior races, junior bunches. And you also suddenly go from being the queen of the juniors to racing against boss. Now, we've called Pauline the next Mariana Voss for years and years because she also races cyclocross. Mm. She's currently the French cyclocross mountain bike road race and ITT champion. And this year she had her stunning and we've always she's always been great she's always been great she just hasn't be, been good she just hasn't been particularly you know she hasn't had that shiningness until she went out in flesh on and won flesh on the world cup and it was glorious and it was particularly glorious for the former the previous two world cups she'd attacked she'd been super attacky she'd been brilliant she just couldn't pull off the win and she won flesh on and it was this beautiful beautiful in a two-up sprint with lizzie armistead beautiful racing yeah went on and had a fantastic season riding for her teammates anna van der Bregen and mariana voss came second in the giro um with best young rider jersey and just you know being on the peloton great fun exciting rider very attacky in la course the women's race on the champs elysees but we got take her and lizzie armitz they got taken out in a crash and yeah so for her to win is just it's just beautiful really she's you know she's a junior star who's had this amazing year she's very opinionated she has particularly opinionated whenever the french press ask her about Jeannie longo which is every time they talk to her yeah she's been the provider of polemica there was some nice <laughs> polemica around the last stage of the uh, of the giro rossa i think people who said bad things about her were wrong but polemica is what feeds the conversation isn't it well, it, it feeds certain conversations, yes. Yeah, but but having polemica is good, you know, in general, when it's friendly, polemica is good. I mean, some of that polemica got a bit out of hand, but it's good for the sport. And she's very, very pretty, which is, you know, always a, always a bonus. I can't, I, I wish it wasn't the case, but it is. And she's an amazing, incredible rider. And she's French. Well, you know, and you, we, as we discussed earlier in the, the podcast, you have feelings about the French, so... 
No, no. I mean, what we the, so French sport. I mean, French sport has been hamstrung by Jeannie Longo Ciprelli, multiple world champion, um, husband caught transporting EPO. She being caught for not doing whereabouts, uh, you know, whereabouts in time. Hundred years old and still entering races, and she's just a blight, a blight on the sport. You know, she's just mm. one of those school EPO era era riders that we just do not need in our sport anymore. And and she kind of for years and years cast this long shadow over the sport because she was still there and young riders couldn't get to race because there's Longo and riders like Edwige Patel. And it's been very interesting because, you know, like Pauline has said a lot for a long time that, you know, she'd turn up to races and she'd win or, or Cordon would win or Marianne Roos would win. And all they'd do is talk about Jeannie Longo. Yeah. Yeah. And so for them to finally get rid of, to finally exercise the last, gasp of Jeannie Longo off the French racing scene is great but also we need the French in the sport we need they've we've lost so many races we lost two grand tours the you know the women's tour de France and the um the the uh, the, the tour de load we've lost tons of races in France and the ASO that are we need them to put on races we want a women's Paris-Roubaix we want a women's tour de France now when you've got Pauline and Mariana Voss going in to have conversations with the ASO yes exactly exactly and and, you know i think that touches on probably my favorite part of of all of it is across two different aspects of the sport we're seeing the the vanguard of the the next you know the future the well it's 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 not even i mean i think i mean poor boss poor mary if it wasn't for the fact that boss loves winning i can imagine boss actually thinking well you know if i don't lose it's it's good for the sport but it's boss she can't think like that (laughs) but and boss and and i think she's really struggled this year one of the reasons she's struggled is she's been working non-stop when she's not racing she's working for the sport she's been i mean she literally left the giro which she won and went straight into working with the ASO on the course. And part of that is, is because a lot of people, oh, well, you know, you want it. You've got to help us. You know what I mean? And and also she just loves it. And she's been working with the UCI. And again, she's in a no-win situation because if she says, no, no, look, I've got to rest. Yeah. Then people will say, oh, well, we gave you the chance. You didn't take it. But we're seeing this last season, apparently she might be carrying a hamstring injury as well. You know, I mean, poor Mariana. But coming 10th, she still finished 10th. That's amazing. And if Voss had won again, I would have been super happy. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So many, like, if, imagine, like, if Lisa Renauer had won, that would have been... Oh, my golden. God, that would have been amazing. I mean, it's already amazing. Like, seriously, Lisa Renauer, how good is she? Like, just, that's phenomenal. So good and so popular within the peloton as well. Very popular rider. And there's a great interview with her in perfect English because, of course, all the European riders speak better English than Dan and I do. I mean, we could argue that that's not hard, but they speak better English than like native born Anglos. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, yeah, Lisa winning would have been great. Emma Johansson winning would have been, yes, finally done it. Tiffany, if Tiffany had won, it would have been awesome because it would have been, you know, the attacking rider who who who, who hasn't had a great season but who pulls it off on the biggest race of the year, you know? Yeah. Um, Lizzie, if Lizzie had won, she's the World Cup winner. If she'd have been World Cup winner and World Champion, that would have just been, what a story. And she's oh, yeah. very, very press-friendly, very good you know, very good kind of person to figurehead. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cash and you, there's so many. I, if, if Elisa Longo Borghini had won, 
that would have been awesome because you know coming back off injury very young talent you know um, young is, is we're just getting back to we're just getting back to your and Voss's shared enthusiasm for everyone, aren't we? Yeah. What's <laughs> I mean, apart from Solo, I could do without Anna Solovey being in the top ten. But you know, that's just it's just yeah, very very exciting, very exciting, very interesting. And look, I think I think that's the key point to take away, and I think it's it's a, a very valid thing. And this is the thing that is going to stick with me is. I really enjoyed the race. I really enjoyed the the week of Worlds. And I feel great about where women's cycling is at. I, I you know, this year we've been able to see more racing, uh, more race video, um, live or only marginally delayed than, than ever before. Um, races are, are continuing to grow and evolve riders and teams are continuing to grow and evolve we're seeing the emergence of not just a, a strong cycling scene but but strong us based teams as well um you know so optimum and uhc have both distinguished themselves um i i'm just i'm ecstatic about women's cycling i love it and we've got the calendar. The calendar came out this week, and we'll talk more about the calendar next week, I think, because it's it's very interesting because we've got two more two two of the USA stage races have gone UCI level. Um, the Joe Martin stage race and the Tour of the Gila are mm. going to be um, UCI level next year, which is wonderful, just wonderful. And we've got you know we're having a women's Strade Bianchi next year, and and it's like and 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 there's no look at my first glance and brackets obviously it's only the first glance there's no major horrors on the um calendar you know it's just things things are getting better and oh my god specialized lululemon have to come out of that world gold medal in the work gold medal in the ttt gold and bronze in the itt silver and fifth in the um in the road road race race. they won won. specialized lululemon you've won the world congratulations Awesome, awesome. Oh, so, so yeah, well, I we we're running rapidly out of time, so we should quickly whip around what else has been going on. Um, other things we've had some transfer news. Um, some teams don't like don't like doing their transfers until after Worlds, and I completely respect them for that. Um, I like gossip all the time; it's good for me. <laughs> Elisa Longo Borghini has been announced as going to Wheel Honda next year. Yeah, That's which interesting. Uh, that. Honestly, that one took me a little by surprise. I think is a super interesting move. So yeah, yeah, they've basically dropped the not dropped, but they've basically lost the um, all of the, they've got still got Danny King, but you know the kind of British tracky emphasis has gone, which I think is is be- I think it's best for this for the, for the team to be honest. They've now got that you know their team is going to be a team of riders. They they've been really lucky that George has been so winning because they haven't you know they've been quite a one trick pony that team. And I'm yeah I'm apart from Linda Willemson winning Lardesh, but you know her focus was Commonwealth this year. So Elisa going to wiggle is fascinating. Mm. Um, over in the USA, we had the last round of the BMX Supercross World Cup in Chula Vista, won by Mariana Pajon, the world champion, um, with Caroline Buchanan, who we're big fans of, um, winning the overall World Cup Supercross. Um, I loved Caroline Buchanan's new haircut. She's got it bleached blonde yep. with, with, with shaved on one side with leopard print shaved <laughs> and dyed into the side of her head. It, ever, ever the shy and retiring type. It's a big bold statement for her, but yes. Um, 
Yeah. Actually, uh, one of my favorite comments, um, completely unrelated to anything else, was um, I wandered past a colleague's desk on Monday, and he was watching um, the video from from the BMX Supercross, and um, and paused it, turned to me, and said, "Man, the women's racing's come so far." He, he said, "They're they're every bit as fast as the guys. It's it's great." And and you know, he was he was watching and rewatching their races. So their races, their races. I mean, it's BMX is the perfect thing to watch sneakily at, at work because the races are so short, so you can get away with it. I well, recommend it. Plus, also, he sits in my corner of the office, so you know we're we're reasonably we're reasonably protected. So, uh, shit. I hope no one at work ever hears this. <laughs> <laughs> um. Mariana Voss is running a secret night ride somewhere in the Netherlands. I think it's on the 17th of October. If you're Dutch and you want to go along to it, you have to wear yellow with lots of lights on your bike and rock up for Mariana Voss's secret night now, ride. But, but am, I, am I right in that didn't when she first put that out, didn't she say something about, you know, 50 places available? Yes. Yeah, how do you think that's going to work out? Because I mean, I'm telling you, I've, I've already, I've already booked my ticket to the Netherlands with my my high vis yellow shirt and lights. Like, I don't, I don't care if they're only fifty spots. I'm riding, I'm riding all over the Netherlands. Well, they email you, they email you the week before to tell you which town it's in. Yeah, but it's the Netherlands. You can ride from town to town in like four minutes. It's nothing. And then, and then they email you in the morning of the day to say tell you where to start. <laughs> Oh, I, I can just see I, I can see this resulting in, you know, thousands of people descending on Dutch roads everywhere just in the hope that they accidentally bump into into the group. I think it's gonna be awesome. Oh, it's gonna be so, so cool. And I think that's it. We have to say a massive thank you. One of the things we did this week was we launched our women's cycling audience survey, mm. um, which we've now got to plough through all the results. And I just wanna thank all of you yeah well sort of sort of thank you and sort of yeah fucking thanks guys i mean jesus we got 1600 responses i mean yeah yeah, great now we've got to count them all thanks guys thanks we've got 1600 responses in about four and a half days i know it was fucking insane seriously thank you so much um we're not 100 percent sure exactly what we'll get out of it yet but we will share what we do get out of it and we're really excited about you know the the bigger picture that we're we're getting to see of of what you what you love about the sport, what you want more of, what you what you're frustrated by, what you're interested in, who you are. Finding out who you are is amazing. You know, um, the 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 broad split. You know, we don't have exact numbers, but the broad split of of guys who are fans um, is is fantastic. You know, we're we're pretty. Yeah, you know what? You know we the, the the common apparently the UCI have said that eighty percent of people who follow women's cycling are men, and that's fair enough. But 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 we've got sixty percent men, forty percent women on people who filled in our survey. Mm, mm. So we're kind of like and and the other thing I really was interested in is I thought there'd be more of one thing that people want. No, what people want is more, more. Yeah, more. no, I think I think there is one thing that that people want more of it's just that the one thing that they want more of is everything yes <laughs> <laughs> and, and 
so many so many lovely people so many funny witty clever passionate angry people replied and so thank you even you know if you shared it if you filled it in even if you didn't get around to doing a bit of thought about it thank you we mm. just really appreciate it and it's you know i think it's i think what surprised me is is, is that pr- yeah pretty much this is the first time anyone's answered a survey about women's cycling so hurrah <laughs> Awesome. And as always, do check the, uh, the, the page on our website, prowomenscycling.com, um, to see all the links and stuff because there are a heap of great blogs and articles and, and stuff from the week. Um, we've also just seen an article come in from Nettie Edmondson um, about her team time trial preparation and, um, and stuff uh, to do with that. Um, you know, it, it, there's there's heaps of stuff to, to see. And also don't forget to go back and check out the awesome video post that Sarah's put together where you can see literally every video that <laughs> has ever been made. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>